Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you again and uh, open God's Word together. And I'll ask you to turn with me and your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 4, the book of Acts chapter 4. Yeah, it's good to be with you this uh, this morning, and as Jim said earlier, uh, my wife and I used to attend here back when uh, uh, we were just starting in ministry, and uh, a lot of people here are a great encouragement to us, and it's nice to see lots of new people here as well, and love to get to know you as well, and um, just in case you're not aware, uh, you as a a church group here support us each month. So thank you, and uh, we appreciate that as missionaries in the Philippines. Uh, just a little update. We'll be, Lord willing, heading back uh, late in the summer. Uh, our oldest, Lael, is um, going to college, a Bible college in the U.S. Um, in the fall. So we've stayed a little extra longer to uh, let her finish her grade 12, and then um, after the summer she'll be starting Bible college, so our plan is to get her situated there, and then, Lord willing, we'll be able to, to go back. So that's a little update for where we're at, and um, you can ask us questions afterwards if you have more. But it's good to be here, and, uh, and look at a, a subject of encouragement. Um, thinking about John Scott this morning, we knew him well back in the day, and uh, he was one who was an encouragement to us. Uh, they support us as well, and um, yeah, what a what a heritage and what a, a blessing he was to so many people for years and years. And appreciated especially his music ministry. Uh, I pretend to sing bass, and he was the bass of 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 the best of the bass singers. And we, I, I always looked up to him physically and in that way too. So. Um, he is a great blessing. Batman had Robin. Sherlock Holmes had Watson. The Lone Ranger had Tonto. Frodo had Sam. And for you younger ones, Woody had Buzz. All the great ones always had a sidekick, right? All the, all the good ones. And sidekicks, they don't get the flashy headlines. They don't get the fame. They don't get the following. But are they essential? We're reminded of what Jesus said uh, in Matthew 10. He says, The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. That's a, Jesus understood the value of people who support people who are in ministry or whatever they're doing. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. Jesus didn't want sidekicks to be underestimated. He understood the value. That's all fine and good, right? Until we're the sidekick, right? And we're not up on front and center. And then we're the guy that, you know, oh, yay, yay, about all this, this person and... What about me? Nothing, right? Picture the airline pilot, right? The airline pic, uh, pilot, when you go into an airport and you see them going along, they're, they're dressed all up to the nines, right? They look great. They're pulling their leather uh, 
bags behind them. After the flight, they get schmoozed off to a hotel to rest, right? And if you, when you're getting off the plane, who's standing there by the, the door? Well, the pilot, right? And you shake his hand, or maybe not anymore, but you, you, you say thanks to him, and he's you know, like, hope you enjoyed your flight, all these things, right? He's the, he's the front and center one. But I wonder if you took the pilot aside and did a little interview with him, he might tell you that there's more to the whole picture than just himself. He might tell you about a certain mechanic, uh, the guy that maintains that plane, And he might go on and on and talk about him. Because without the mechanic, the pilot can only do what the mechanic allows him to do, right? He's he's controlling that machine, but the machine has to be maintained. Now, you go and look at the mechanic. What's he wearing? You know, grease-covered overalls, right? He's like, nobody... Where does he go out? He goes out the back door. Nobody wants to see him. But ask yourself the question... Which of the two would you like to be a slacker? (laughs) It's like asking the question, right? The left wing or the right wing? Which one would you rather have? We need both of those things. Both people are vital. Now, the Apostle Paul, everybody knows about the Apostle Paul, right? He, He wrote half of the New Testament. He's, the book of Acts spells out his missionary journeys, uh, all, all that he did. And of course, um, almost single-handedly, he brought the gospel to the rest of the known world. Um, after Jesus, probably, there is no one more significant in the New Testament than the Apostle Paul. But, before Paul, there was a man named Barnabas. Barnabas. Maybe you've heard of Paul, but maybe not so much about Barnabas. Well, Barnabas is a man who played a prominent role in the early church, and then he shows up many times through the book of Acts and mentioned in the epistles as well. And I'm going to argue that without Barnabas, there is no Paul. Barnabas' name his, was not really Barnabas. It was Joseph. And, uh, but nobody called him Joseph. They called him Barnabas, which meant literally the son of encouragement. The son of encouragement. That was... That was his nickname. People called him the son of encouragement. And why was that? As Jason mentioned in the email, I don't know how many of you get the email. I, I'm on the list, so I get the email. He talked about, you know, the, we could all use some encouragement, especially right now, right? There's lots of things going on that would just drag us down. And people disappoint. I think he mentioned that. Um, we all need some encouragement. And as someone has said, be the change. Be the change that you want in the world, right? Um, we are living amongst lots of people who are discouraged. Maybe we're discouraged. But we all have been given things that will allow us to speak into other people's lives, to bring encouragement. And that is the body of Christ, how it has been designed. We are all part of a body, I love the analogy. I think every time I speak, I have to bring that in because it's essential to our understanding of what's my place here this morning. I come, I sit in a pew, I sit back and take it all in, or am I here for a reason? Has God gifted me to minister to other people? God has put you in a body. Um, I hope you're part of a body or part of the body and feel like that, and then you have a part in that. And one of those things is to 
edify those around you or to build each other up. And that's what God calls us to do. How do we do that? We're going to look at the, the life of Barnabas and see some principles of encouragement that we can learn from how he encouraged others and that we can put into practice uh, with those around us. And in typical homiletical fashion, we're going to have three points. So there you go. You can hang your hat on those three things. And the first one is Barnabas looked for ways to encourage others. He looked for ways to encourage others. He had his eyes outward looking for that. So let's find out where we first find him in the book of Acts. And I've already pointed you to chapter 4. And we're going to look at him in verse 36, the very end of the chapter. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, he came from the island of Cyprus, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, in this, the context of this, where we first find Barnabas, is that this is the very beginning of the church. And what had happened was, uh, you know, after Jesus had ascended and the disciples were living in Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in chapter 2. And then there you have the big sermon by Peter. 2,000 or 3,000 people come to Christ, put their faith in the, the, their Messiah at that time. And all these people had come for the festival in Jerusalem. And they had, a lot of them were coming from all over the place. Well, they get caught up in all of this. I'm a believer. I, Jesus is my Messiah. Jesus is our Savior. And they get caught up on all of that. And they basically camp out in Jerusalem in all of this, learning more. And, and they're, they're listening to the apostles' teaching. All of this is going on. Well, basically, we have a big immigration, uh, an immigrant problem because there are all these people coming. And then we have the poor that were part of this as well. There are all these sorts of physical needs that happen. And it's really neat to see how the church bonded together and they pooled their resources to help everybody and this went on for some time. Well, Barnabas is one of these, these guys. He's from Cyprus, probably living in Jerusalem at the time. And he he thinks about this need that is there. Now, other people sold land as well. We, he may have been the first, but he's certainly the only one that's mentioned by name. And anyway, he sees this need, and he says, I have this resource. Maybe it was something he wasn't using. Maybe it was. I don't, I don't know the whole story. But Barnabas identified this need, and he saw a resource that he had, and he said, I could sell this land, and I could contribute it to... The, the needs of this growing body that um, was, was happening there. And he was the son of encouragement. He was, he, that's, that's the way he lived. He was always looking to see how he could encourage. And so he sees a need. How can I encourage? What is the resources that I have? Can I put it into play here? And he decides to do that. And so they called him, the apostles say, they called him the son of encouragement. What do people call you? <laughs> what do people call you? Mr. Grump? Or uh, Mr. Tightwad? Uh, Miss Generous? Mr. Grace? What do they call you? 
Well, we don't use those sorts of names, but if they were, what would they call you? What a compliment to this guy. He, everywhere he went, people were encouraged by him. And he must have, I mean, this is one example that we have of him, and it's going to get fleshed out as we look at his other examples, but here is a guy who saw needs. And in this case, his, his encouragement was in the form of generosity, like big generosity, right? And we don't all have land that we can just up and sell. We don't have maybe that sort of resources, but we all have something, right? The, the real point here is, though, that he was seeing a need and seeing how he could meet that need. What does this say about Barnabas? He was committed to Christ, and he was committed to the church. He was taking like the teaching of Jesus very seriously, right? When Jesus says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. I mean, he took that. He was committed to everything that Christ taught. He was committed to this church, the idea. So we have this commitment. He has an eternal perspective, right? This land is my land, but I mean, it's, when I die, it's, it's nothing. I can't take it with me, right? He had an eternal perspective. But this, this movement that's happening, the church, is something that is going to last. It, it has eternal value. I'm going to pour my resources into that. He was self-sacrificing. What else could he have done with that money? I mean, there's all sorts of things that he could have done. And he chose to use it in this way. And then he has submission to the apostles. He comes, he takes all that money, and he puts it there in front of the apostles' feet. He says, use this to meet needs. He looked for a way. And there are many ways to be encouraging. Um, our family was just having a discussion a couple of weeks ago about um, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. How many people have heard of that Okay, pretty popular book, and we were doing little surveys to figure out what our I I I, I struggled with the whole thing a little bit. I, I don't know where I fit into it, but it, the the idea that there is different ways that we um, we show our love to other people and that we receive love is a is a a good lesson in it all, right? He he talks about five ways um, words of affirmation we can encourage with words of affirmation that doesn't cost us anything. Really, right? Um, acts of service. Now, there might be a bit of cost to that, but looking for ways to serve people. Uh, he talks about giving and receiving gifts, like Barnabas had done. Quality time. There's people who need time, and that, that is a, a sacrifice, right? It, to give up your time, maybe to spend it with someone. But that is sometimes the, the, what they need. And then he talks about physical touch. And um, we need that sometimes, right? And there's certain people that need that more than others, right? These are ways, as we're looking at the needs around us, what are areas that we can help and encourage people by? And depending on the situation, it might be very, very different. So Barnabas was creative in looking for the needs of others and then how to um, meet that need. I know for me, I can get real focused on myself and then and I start stop thinking about what's going on in other people's lives. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us look and uh, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The NLT says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's think of ways. So the, it starts in our mind, right? We... We have to be considering what are, what's going on out there. Um, 
scan, you know, read our, our, the people in our life and then see how we can, if, is God giving us resources to meet those needs? So Barnabas, first of all, looked for ways to encourage others, and that could be in many different ways. Secondly, Barnabas believed in people that others didn't. Barnabas believed in people that others didn't. And there's three examples that we have in the book of Acts of how he did that. Let's um, flip over to chapter 9. And I mentioned Paul at the beginning. Without Paul there, or without Barnabas, there would be no Paul. And this is the story that we find in, in chapter 9. Uh, we, we find Barnabas in uh, verse 27 of chapter 9. Let's start at 26. When he came to Jerusalem, that's Paul, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, the, we've skipped over a, a, a bunch there, right? So jumping from chapter 4 to chapter 9, in that time, the Apostle Paul, who is then named Saul, was against the church, trying to put people to, in prison, putting people to death. He was vehemently against the church. And on, in chapter 9, we read at the first of it how Paul meets the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. He's going to Damascus to put people in prison, and uh, on the way, he, he has this vision, and he is miraculously converted to following Christ. This happens. But he's got a real bad reputation, right? The church is all hunkered down and scared of him because he's their enemy. He's the one who wants to, you know, persecute them. And so after some time, maybe even up to three years, it says after some time, Paul decides that he's going to go to Jerusalem and meet up with the the believers there. Everyone, nobody wants to associate with him. They've heard all the rumors. He's probably a fake, right? As soon as you hear conversion stories about the rich and famous, we are skeptical, right? Same with Paul. I mean, even worse so, because he was against the church. And um, now he comes to Jerusalem, and when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and not believing him. And then we see good old Barnabas. Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and to describe to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And Barnabas, Mr. Grace, Mr. Encouragement, takes um, Paul and he brings him in. He advocates for Paul, or at that time called Saul, um, there before the other believers. And the rest is history, right? Um, Paul is then becomes the great apostle, and we read all about him in the rest of the book. Saul is who he is because of Barnabas. Second example that we see that Barnabas believed in people that others didn't is um, when we come to chapter 11. So flip over... 11. Chapter 10, Peter sees this vision of the animals. You remember that chapter, maybe? Uh, chapter 11, the Jewish Christians are scattered because of persecution. 
And the, the gospel is taken up to Antioch in the, in the northern part. And again, um, what happens there is that the gospel is given to the Gentiles. And that had all been explained to Peter that this would happen and it's happening. And again, the Jews who have been um, very protective of their own religion have a hard time with hearing this news that Gentiles are being saved. The Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. And the, the believers in Jerusalem are concerned and, and curious and all of these things. And the news hits them, that what is happening, and who do they decide to send up to check it out? Barnabas. They send Barnabas, Mr. Grace, and let's see how he will respond. So let's start reading at uh, verse 19. So then those were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, who had been martyred, made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one to, but except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. So there he goes. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, what does he do? He rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Verse 24, for he was a good man, Barnabas, and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Here's Barnabas. Why, why Barnabas? Well, here's a tricky situation. Let's send Mr. Encouragement into this situation. And what does he see? He sees the grace of God. Verse 23, it said, he saw the grace of God. He was looking for it. And you often see what you're looking for. And that was Barnabas. He was looking for God working. He saw the good. And he identified that. His reaction was, in verse 23, he was glad at what is happening. I mean, there's so many people who were concerned, so many people who were uh, like uptight about change and all these things that, were, that they didn't understand. Barnabas was one who was open to that, and he saw the joy. He saw what was going on, and he embraced it. And then he exhorted them to remain faithful. Not only did he go and, and just like, yay, this is great, he also used words to exhort them to remain faithful. So he starts teaching, he starts explaining, he starts encouraging them. Um, he, he's, he's not just uh, using empty platitudes, but he's building into their life using words. And that is also essential to encouragement. It's nice to do things for people, it's nice to come alongside and hang out with them, Use our words as well as a way to exhort them and encourage. And then in all my jargon about Barnabas and you know making three points out of this, I don't want to miss what the Bible says about Barnabas, right? Because he they, here explains in verse 24 what God's commentary on this man is. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He was... He allowed himself to be led by the Holy Spirit. He, he was filled with the Holy Spirit to do this, right? He was letting God work in him. 
And that's where it starts, right? It, it, it needs to be open. Where is God? How is God leading me? So we need to be praying about that to, so that God will open our eyes and then follow God with that, wherever that might be. Um, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he's full of faith. Faith is trusting God, right? He's trusting God to do something with his life. So he's, he's full of faith. He sees there's potential. God can use him. Where do you want to use me, Lord? And he just steps through those things. He's full of faith. He wants to see how God's going to use him. And so he takes a step. What, what can we learn from that, right? Like, what, what, where are we at? Are we, are we trusting God to be able to use us and to speak into other people's lives? Are we open to that? Are we full of the Holy Spirit that he may use us as well? He wants to use us. He's put you here for that reason, and he will use us. Let's trust him in that. Follow God's direction by faith. The third example that we see where Barnabas believed other people, believed in people that others didn't, was in a young man named John Mark. I'm going to flip over a couple more chapters to chapter 15. Skipping over some great stuff, but getting to this little part. And we come to uh, late in the chapter in, in verse 36. So lots has happened here. Paul and Barnabas have uh, gone on a missions trip, and they've come back, and they're starting to talk about going again. Well, on this first trip that they went on, they had this guy went along. He actually turns out that he's Barnabas's cousin, and his name is John Mark. And somewhere along the trip, John Mark had given up. We don't know really why, but he had headed back home. And Paul was not so um, pleased with this. And so the discussion comes along, who are we going to take with us on this next journey to go and check up on what they had seen before? And it says in verse 36, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's, uh, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Here is the end of Paul and Barnabas um, as a, a duo. And it comes down to this young man, John Mark. And as you see in the story, I mean, it, this was something that both of them felt very strongly about. And it's interesting to see where Barnabas takes sides, right? He, he, he is so convinced about this young man, John Mark, that there's still potential there that he is willing to sacrifice his ministry with Paul. I mean, the glorious ministry of Paul. No, we, th- this young man still has potential. He believed in John Mark when even Paul, Apostle Paul, did not believe in him. And um, where Paul sees failure, Barnas, Barnabas believes in second chances. Mr. Grace. Um, it it ended up to his own detriment that Barnabas put his lot in with John Mark because they separate. Paul and, Paul and Barnabas separate at this point and he sails off to Cyprus with John Mark. Paul finds a new partner, Silas, and they go on the second journey and the third journey um, together. Um, 
Bad decision there, Barnabas. Bad decision. You associated with the wrong one, right? Um, it maybe even hurt his reputation to associate with this guy. He was a, I mean, and rightfully so, right? Like he was a quitter. He he had he had failed Paul. He had let him down. He had he was maybe dead weight on the trip. We don't know the whole story, but Paul's like, no way. We're not. He, he had his chance, and Barnabas says no. He he keeps believing in him, and you could say, yeah, Barnabas had just. Pick the wrong, pick the wrong team. But it's really interesting when we know the rest of the story, because later we see that John Mark does become a useful uh, minister of the gospel. In fact, so much so you come to Second um, Timothy, and Paul is uh, on his deathbed, and he writes his letter to Timothy. He says, um, "Bring John Mark with you, because he's useful to me." Um, how did that happen? How did that? How in the in the rest of Paul's life, and as Barnabas and he split away, how did John Mark go from I don't want have anything to do with him to calling bring that guy? I need him. He's useful to the ministry. What happened in that time? There was somebody who stuck with John Mark, right? And his name was Mister Encouragement. Barnabas stuck with him, and we see this cool story how we don't know all the details because the book of Acts switches to Paul and we hear all about him but we don't know but we we get a little glimpse in that little verse bring John Mark he's useful to me because someone kept building into his life and he 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 can change he changed can you believe that right Barnabas believed that that could happen and he built into him and it did in fact, you're holding in your hand, if you have a Bible with you, you're holding 16 chapters of the Bible were written by John Mark. The book of Mark is written by him. Wouldn't have had that either, right? If we just let him, let him fail. He failed, drop him. You're sitting around people right now who have had failures in their life. Maybe you've had a failure in your life. God believes in second chances. There is, if people will build into each other, if we see other people and we build into them, there is hope because the Holy Spirit continues to work. And he can do that if we don't abandon each other. Right? We keep um, holding on and we keep encouraging. How do we do that in our setting? Well, the church is a weird group, okay? If you look around, I, I don't know a lot of you uh, in, in your work context. But we, I imagine we have blue collars, white collars here. We, have, we probably have people who are quite well off. We have probably people who are uh, maybe scraping you know, by each day, working day to day. Um, we have men. We have women. We have different nationalities. What a, how, how come you guys are all here together on the same day at the same place? You have nothing together in common, right? There's something weird about us, right? Because we do have something in common, and that is all around Christ. But, and that brings us together. And even though we may not have other things in common, we do have something in common. And that is our, our, our Savior, 
having said that, because we are all very different and we are not always spiritually minded, there are certain people who have a hard time getting into the middle of it, right? They hang out on the fringe. We need to be careful to see that because many people will come into the group and they'll kind of hang out on the outside. They don't know how to get in and then it's easy to fly off the side, right? And as the as it all happens in the inside. We need to be careful and we need to be have our eyes open for that and bring people in. For Barnabas, he did that even though it he had to risk his reputation, right? Paul, uh, Barnabas, off he goes with him, right? Hanging out, talking, going to coffee with that guy. I mean, just give it up. Um, no, he had a, eyes of faith. We need to grow in our faith. Trust God for great things for people. Barnabas was a man of faith, and he trusted God for great things on a small level. Great things from God on a small level, on the people level. Um, God is doing little things greatly all, over the, all, all the time, everywhere, and we need to be part of that, have our eyes of faith. And then see failure as a learning opportunity and show grace. The ground is even at the foot of the cross. We're all just sinners who have been forgiven, right? And the person who has failed, that's by the grace of God, go you or I, right? There, there's nobody who is... Um, that we can look down on because we know we're all forgiven. And that was Barnabas's eyes, right? He saw um, that John Mark was someone who was had a second chance because God's grace extends that far. It had extended to him, and he was extending it to other people. Unfortunately, we often spend... Think starting, you know, the longer you hang out in church, the longer you start thinking, or the more you think, well, maybe I am self-righteous, or I am righteous, and something good about me. But that stinks to high heaven, right? We always, we need to be constantly brought back to that place. We're humbled by the fact, you know, that's a great thing about holding communion every week, right? It brings you back to that place where I am a sinner who's, the only reason I can be here is because of the blood of Christ. And... We're all in the same boat. It's a sad commentary on the church. I, I'll, I can never forget the opening of uh, Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. Have you, anybody read that book? It's kind of an old one now, but the opening story about a lady who, is, um, who had failed in life. I'll sum it up in that way, right? She had, she had exhausted her resources. She had sinned. She has, in a difficult situation, had a baby to care for and didn't know where to go. And someone suggested to her, why don't you go to the church? They could help you. And, she, and, and her response, as Philip Yancey tells the story, is, why would I ever go there? I'm already feeling terrible about myself. They just make me feel worse. I mean... Yancey takes that and, and leaps through the book on grace that he has, what's so amazing about grace, because that's, that's the power of grace, and we must never get past that, right? That we have been saved by grace, and we can extend that. This should be the place that is most gracious, because we've all experienced it. And uh, let's watch for people coming in the door who, who need to see that, and uh, never give off that sense of we're somehow arrived and keep working with them until as Paul or Barnabas did 
Paul, or John Mark became useful. I mean, keep working and uh, keep doing, building into people's lives, pursuing them. How many people were here among us and are no longer because people just kind of, you know, I mean, yeah, that's their fault. They left, right? But who went to pursue them to try to bring them back and who gave up pursuing them? Um, that's where it falls on our line, on our, on our lap. Someone wrote this. I don't, I don't know who wrote it, but, um, it was entitled Barnabas's Funeral. Imagine Barnabas has died, and a man gets up to speak. And it's the Apostle Paul. Everybody nudges each other because it's Paul. He's famous. He says, I persecuted the church. I put followers of Jesus to death and in prison. Nobody trusted me. No one touched me. But then Barnabas came along, put his arm around me, and, and he said, I'll vouch for him. I stand before you today because of Barnabas. Then John Mark gets up. He's an old man by now, and people nudge each other. He wrote the gospel. He's famous. He says, the truth about me is I was a quitter. I had run away from Jesus and ministry, but Barnabas wouldn't give up on me. He saw something in me. I don't know why or what. And he took me under his wings and said, I'll vouch for him. I'm here today because of a man named Barnabas. Who needs us to vouch for them today? So Barnabas was looking for ways to encourage. He, was, he believed in people, other, people that other people didn't. And finally, Barnabas was content to make others greater. He was content to make others greater. We've already talked about that relationship between Paul and, and Barnabas. And he took Paul under his wing and, and mentored him. And that was why we have Paul today. But the last thing we see of Barnabas is he, he sails off into the sunset, right? Into Cyprus with John Mark. And the rest of the book of Acts is full of the stories of the Apostle Paul. And it's interesting if you, if you look through the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 11, it says Barnabas and Paul. Uh, chapter 12, Barnabas and Paul. The, the order of the names is what I'm, I'm trying to hammer here. Uh, chapter 13, Barnabas and Paul. Uh, again in, in chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul. And somewhere in about chapter 13, things start changing. It says Paul and his companions. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. You see how it switched. And that's really what happened. Um, Paul went on and became the great apostle Paul. And Barnabas slipped back into the background. Doesn't, it's not invariable in the, in the way that it changes, but very dominantly and prominently, um, Paul starts to take the lead. Batman and Robin, right? And then all of a sudden, the issue, next issue comes out, and it's Robin and Batman and the little... How would John Wayne... Or not John Wayne. Uh, wrong, wrong guy. Um, what's his name? Bruce Wayne. How would Bruce Wayne handle that? Um, you know, all of a sudden, I'm the sidekick now. How do you handle that? I mean, we'd love to see that, see people take off, right? But... Who, who among us would want to, would be able to handle that, right? 
Barnabas could handle that. And uh, that's exactly what he wanted to see. He was a creator of leaders. Um, 2 Timothy 2 talks about passing on the baton of take what you've been uh, given and pass it on to faithful ones who will also teach others. You don't know what that's going to mean for you, right? You pass it on, all of a sudden they're like, they become the pastor or whatever it is. You know, are we content with that? Um, that was something that Barnabas was fine with. What a guy. What a guy that um, had his eyes out looking for ways to encourage those who are, whatever way that was. And then to see people who, who other people didn't believe, people who they had um, been cast aside and still wanted to build into them. And then such a humble person that even though, you know, Paul exceeded him by far, uh, he was able to handle that and, and, and willing to, to let God work in whatever way he decided. Special guy. Um, and the, the, the question then comes down to us today. Where, who, who does God want me to encourage? Who are the people that he's prompting you to build into and to have a, a, an attitude of that to have a, a mindset that that's where I am right we talked about the body of Christ you're here together to function together you know, if one part of the body hurts the whole body hurts and we are um, given that task to to encourage one another um, what a guy and hopefully that's an encouragement uh, for you as well let's just uh I'm going to actually turn it over to Jeremy, and then we'll come back up and do the final prayer.